We gather this hour to pause, to honour the spirit and to accept ourselves as fragile humans, equally full of nobility and strength. We gather weary, perhaps, of life's many trials, yet cheered by the infinite possibilities of love's grace. We meet with smiles and glad voices for friends old and new. Every stranger a gift of potential friendship and of mutual consolation. We rejoice in the keen mind and the warm heart. We remember those whose opportunities and needs our society thwarts. And we give thanks for the blessings that are ours, even in the midst of all the struggle. We praise all who extend a hand in service and whose vision of justice commands action. We pause and we gather. We meet and rejoice. We remember. We give thanks. We praise. We proclaim our community as we gather this morning to worship once again. These opening words by Bruce Southworth welcome all those who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome those who are here in person at Essex Church and those who are joining us from far and wide via Zoom. We're glad to have you with us this day. If we've not previously met, my name's Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. Wherever you are, however you are, whoever you are, I hope you find something of what you most need in our gathering this morning. Today's service is titled Hidden Battles and it's mostly led by our guest preacher, my friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Rory Castle-Jones, minister with Gathlionan Unitarians in Wales. And that's a bit far for him to travel on a Sunday morning, so he's pre-recorded his bit. He's going to tell us a story and give us a sermon. And in the coming hour, we will take time to reflect on the well-known saying, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Let's take a moment before we go any further to settle ourselves in, to arrive and prepare our hearts for worship. We've each chosen to set some time aside this morning out of the everyday doings of our lives, a time to be here. So let's really be here now. Let's each take a conscious breath or two. And as we breathe out, let's imagine a letting go. Let's set aside as best we can anything we came in today carrying. We can always pick it up again in an hour's time if we need to. Let us consecrate this precious hour with our presence and intention. And before we go any further, let's light our chalice flame as we do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive and historic religious tradition of which this gathering is part. Every day brings struggle. Every day brings joy. 
Every day brings us the opportunity to ease the struggle of another, to be the joy in another's life. So may this little flame remind us to carry our light to each other and to the wider world. Time to sing. Um, I've got some well-known familiar hymns this morning and Margaret's going to help us keep, keep the singing up. Uh, our first hymn today is To Worship Rightly. It's number 191 in the Green Hymn Book, a well-known tune. For those joining via Zoom, the words will be up on your screen to sing along. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer to worship rightly. Let's take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer and reflection now. This prayer is based on some words by Elizabeth Bukey. I use them quite a lot. They're some of my favourites, so um, I hope you uh, find they speak to you too. You might want to adjust your position to get a bit more comfortable. You might want to 
put down anything you don't need to be holding. If there's a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful, then by all means, get into that position. Whatever helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now, to be fully present with ourselves and each other and that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the very depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. We gather in reverence and thanks for you, ground of our being, source of all good. We are grateful for the gift of another breath, and for each precious moment of connection, beauty and truth. Cry with us in our pain for our world. Remind us that we are loved just as we are. Remind us that we are connected with all that is. Remind us that we do not journey alone. Give us what we need for today. Call us back to our promises, our commitments, our values. Help us love ourselves and each other and to show that love in our actions each day. Make us instruments of justice, equity and compassion. Free us from all that is evil. Keep us from wrong. For we declare that life and love is stronger than tyranny and fear. A world of beauty and love is coming and we must shape it together. And in a few moments of shared stillness now, let us call to mind those people and those situations who are weighing on our hearts this morning. Let's think of issues close to home and to those troubled places the world over, and let us hold them gently in loving kindness for a little while. And let us hold ourselves in loving kindness too, for each of us carries our own private burdens. Life is tough for many right now. It can be hard to make it through the daily struggles. So let us rest in self-compassion as we each ask silently for what we most need this day.
And let us take a moment to reflect on this week just gone in a spirit of gratitude. Let us notice and give thanks for those blessings, large or small, that have helped to lift our spirits. Perhaps we can prepare our hearts to notice life's goodness a little more in the week ahead. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Let's sing again. Our second hymn is Do You Hear? It's number 33 in the Green Hymn Books if you're here at church and the words will be up on screen. Again, feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. Do You Hear? Wise Sai Mai, a tale from China. Long, long ago in the country of China lived a young woman of the Muslim Hui people named Sai Mai. Although she was a farm girl too poor to attend school, Sai Mai nonetheless paid close attention to life around her. When an old woman in the village needed help, but was too proud to ask for it, Sai Mai would know just the right time to visit. When children scraped their knees, Sai Mai arrived to assist, even if they were not her own children. She may have been poor and unschooled, but Sai Mai possessed a deep and a wise heart. 
Once, her father-in-law, a carpenter named Ali, was ordered by the emperor to make some repairs in his palace. Fearful of doing less than his best for the emperor, Ali pushed himself to work his very hardest, working both day and night. Yet, as sometimes happens, the time came when Ali went beyond his limits. Dizzy with fatigue, hands shaking, momentarily careless, Ali tipped over the emperor's most precious vase. The pieces shattered all too loudly in the great hall, and servants came running. Soon enough, the emperor heard the story of his ruined priceless vase. Bring this carpenter to me at once, he demanded. Handcuffed and escorted by three guards, Ali, trembling, stood speechless before the emperor. The emperor drew his sword, and as it hovered over Ali's head, Ali at last spoke up. Forgive me, your worship. I did not mean to break the vase. I promised to pay for it. I promised to pay. The emperor lowered his sword just a little bit. A poor old hui like yourself could never replace such a treasure. Do not jest with me. Have mercy on me, Ali begged. I will pay. The emperor resheathed his sword with a sly smile. Very well, old hui. I do not expect you to replace my vase. Instead, I will give you ten days to find me four things. The emperor hesitated in thought, tugging lightly on his beard. The first thing you must get me is something more black than the bottom of any pan. Second, you must find me something clearer than any mirror. The emperor waited a moment, watching Ali's reaction, but Ali stared blankly at the floor. The emperor continued, the third, something stronger than steel. The emperor smirked. And lastly, find me something as vast as the sea. If you fail at any of these, I will chop off your head. Finally, the emperor smiled broadly, quite pleased with himself. Ali looked stricken. How, he wondered, could I achieve these impossible tasks? Does the emperor simply wish to torture me for the last ten days of my life? Sick with dread, he hung his head, turned away and headed home. For the next week, Ali could neither eat nor sleep. His family knew that something was terribly amiss, but Ali would not discuss it. Please, father, Sali Mai said, calling her father-in-law by the customary term of respect. What is the trouble? Perhaps we can help. Begging and pleading, Sali Mai at last coaxed Ali into talking. He cradled his head between his hands and wept as he named the emperor's four impossible tasks. But Sali Mai responded as if these were everyday requests. This isn't a problem, father. Don't worry. I will have all these things 
when the emperor comes tomorrow. I shall present them to him myself. Ali assumed that Salimai was trying only to comfort. He didn't want her to get into trouble with the emperor too. Don't be foolish, Salimai, he warned. These four things do not exist. The emperor just wants to make me suffer before killing me. Salimai persisted. Father, I really do have these things. I know you don't believe me now, but wait until tomorrow. I will show them both to you and the emperor. And so it was that the very next day, the tenth day since the broken vase, the emperor appeared, surrounded by troops at Ali's door. Old Hui, come forward and give to me the four things you owe me, bellowed the emperor. Ali came outside with Salimai by his side. They both bowed humbly, never daring to meet the emperor's gaze. Salimai then stepped forward. Your majesty, she said, the four things you requested are ready to be presented. Please name them one by one. The first thing I must have, said the emperor, is that which is more black than the bottom of any pan. He touched the sheath of his sword with a glint in his eye. Salimai answered, this, your majesty, can be found in a bottomless, greedy heart. The emperor hid his surprise. This girl, he reassured himself, cannot be so smart. She is a farm girl. He nodded briefly. The next thing you must present is something more clear than any mirror. Do you have that? he asked. Salimai answered, yes. Knowledge offers a greater, greater clarity than any mirror. The emperor looked dumbstruck. Well, he stammered, do you have something stronger than steel to give me? Love, said Salimai, is the strongest thing in the world. Knowing he had been bested, the emperor stood speechless. Ali glanced at Salimai and stood a little taller. At last, the emperor cleared his throat and made his last request. And what do you have that could possibly be as vast as the sea? He asked. A virtuous heart is as vast as the sea, your majesty. Her head lowered, Salimai smiled and said no more. Flustered and humbled, the emperor sputtered, it's time to leave. Old Hui, you are hereby pardoned. He turned to his troops and shouted, march. As the emperor of China distanced himself, Salimai held her father in law's hand. Together, she and Ali bowed in relief and in gratitude to God. Because of her wise heart, Ali could now live a long and happy life. So we'll hear a little bit more about that in Rory's sermon later on. 
But we'll move now into a time of meditation. I'm going to share a short poem by Lynn Ungo, we hear from quite a lot. It's called The Story, so in a sense it follows on quite nicely from Rory's story, but it invites reflection on the stories of our own lives and all their twists and turns, perhaps in comparison to the ones we hear about in the fairy tales. The poem will take us into a few minutes of shared silence, which will end with the sound of a bell, and then we're going to hear some lovely music from Peter. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to ground and steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes or look at the candle flame. This is just an offering, so feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. The Story by Lynn Unger. I'll tell you a secret. There is no happy ending. Also, no tragic conclusion. The prince and princess don't live happily ever after. They live happily sometimes. And sometimes they are stricken with so much grief that they know their hearts will explode, which never actually happens. And sometimes they are well and truly and deeply bored and ready for the tiniest of catastrophes to shake them awake. They will not, of course, live ever after. No one does. But they might have children who carry on the royal line, or friends who tell the story of how the witch showed up at the baby shower, or maybe they planted trees. One way or another, the story inevitably continues. Let us pray that it is some kind of story about love.
there is an old Jewish proverb that says, everyone we meet is fighting a great battle, so be kind. How simple, how powerful and how true those words are. Everyone we meet is fighting a great battle, so be kind. My question for you today is, what battle are you fighting? Today, on Sunday, the 26th of February, 2023, there are just shy of 8 billion people living on this planet. 8 billion individual and unique souls, all with stories to tell. 746 million of those are living on the continent of Europe, 67 million of those in the UK, and about 9 million of them are in London. 156,197 of those, I'm told, are living in Kensington and Chelsea, where your church can be found. And here, in the small village in the Swansea Valley in South Wales, where I live, 874 people live, including me and my husband, and many members of the congregation of Gethlionin Unitarian Chapel, where I'm privileged to serve as the minister. One of our previous ministers, Reverend Irion Phillips, left this place and went off to London, where he served as your minister at Kensington, while I myself trained alongside the wonderful Reverend Jane Blackall, who serves your congregation today. And so there are many links and strands connecting us already. And I was really delighted to be invited to deliver the sermon for your worship today. Of those eight billion living, breathing souls on our planet, including me and you and all of us gathered for worship today, how many, I wonder, are fighting hidden battles in their lives today? Well, the answer that that ancient Jewish proverb gives us is all of them. Every single person on earth today is fighting their own hidden battle of some kind. And what's more, very often the people around them will have absolutely no idea what battles are raging beneath the surface of their neighbour or co-worker or friend or even their spouse or their child. And so the question for all of us this morning is, what battles are we fighting? Don't worry, I'm not asking you to shout out and tell everybody around you your innermost struggles. For some of us, the answer will be very clear and immediate and painful. While for some of us, our hidden battle will be raging very powerfully and violently today. For others, life's battles will seem more distant and calm and quiet today. Although they're always there somewhere, aren't they? Our battles can come in many different shapes and sizes. Whether it be struggles with our mental health, depression or anxiety, 
loss and grief, physical illness, addiction, loneliness, abuse, being bullied, questioning our sexual identity, our gender identity, grappling with our faith, caring responsibilities for relatives or parents or spouses or children, worrying about money, being unhappy at work, just trying to find our path in life. I could, of course, go on and on and on because the list of battles that we go through in our lives is endless. Life is, as they used to say, a veil of tears. One of the key functions of a religious community, whether Christian or Jewish or Muslim or other, is to create sacred spaces where people can bring these struggles and know that they are not alone. Sometimes this means sharing our struggles with one or two other people. Sometimes perhaps sharing them with a whole congregation of people. And other times it means choosing to share them only with God in our silent, private prayers and reflections. As it says in the 34th Psalm, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. For the Jewish people who wrote the Psalms, God is a God of love and mercy and compassion. And that's the same God that Unitarians worship today. A God who knows the hidden battles of every single soul on the planet and hears our cries for help and loves us through each and every one of the battles that we face in our lives from the cradle to the grave and perhaps beyond. Of course we don't leave our battles at home when we come to church on a Sunday. We bring them with us and we bring them to a place where we know we will find others with battles of their own, coming together to laugh and to cry, to share with others, or perhaps to quietly reflect alone. We bring our hidden battles to a place where we can find support and community and hope. The greatest privilege for me since beginning my ministry at Gethlionin Chapel about two years ago has been to be invited into the lives and the hidden battles of members of the congregation here and into the lives and hidden battles of our wider community here in the Swansea Valley. When we open ourselves up and when we invite someone else in, we can sometimes find that they have the tools and experience and wisdom that can help us. I know I've certainly found that to be true in my life when I've needed help. Sometimes just a silent listener is in fact all that we need. But of course, opening ourselves up also makes us vulnerable, doesn't it? And we need to know that that person is someone we can trust with our most precious feelings and our stories. Well, just like the other 8 billion souls on this planet, I, of course, have had my own hidden battles in my life, too. 
And when I think about that proverb, everyone we meet is fighting a great battle, so be kind, it takes me back to one particular day in my own life that I'd like to share with you today. About 20 years ago, um, when I was a 16-year-old schoolboy, one morning very early, I remember vividly being woken up by my father. He had a sad and a concerned look on his face. And he told me, as I was slowly waking up, that his mother, my nan, who I loved very much, had died. My nan was a very much uh, a no-nonsense kind of lady. She grew up in the East End of London, in Haggerston and Shoreditch, not so far from Kensington. Uh, and she grew up during the Great Depression and the Blitz. And this no-nonsense spirit is part of my family's attitude to the many battles of life, including death. And so after breaking the news to me and my brother on that day 20 years ago, we got dressed, we had our breakfast, we went off to school as if it was a normal day. And throughout that school day, I remember feeling as though I was covered in a kind of hazy cloud. I was there, certainly, but I was far from present. It was as though I was walking around wearing a mask. I went to my lessons, I answered questions from the teachers at my lunch, listened as my friends chatted. But I remember feeling beneath the surface that intense desire to run somewhere far, far away, to cry or scream or explode, but I couldn't. I also remember feeling totally incapable of telling my friends or anyone around me that my grandmother had died. It was too private and personal and raw. And the last thing I wanted to do was talk about it, to make it real, to show my feelings. And so instead I smiled, acted normal, carried on with my day. Well, that day I was fighting a, a hidden battle we all face at different times in our life. That of losing someone we love. The battle of loss and grief and mourning. And I remember at the end of that school day, just before we were going home, one of my friends took me aside and said to me, look, you've been acting strangely all day. You've been grumpy. You've hardly spoken. What is wrong? I can't help you if you don't tell me what's wrong. I can't help you if you don't tell me what's wrong. And because this was a friend who I trusted and who I knew cared about me, I remember that I told them what had happened, told them the truth. And I remember them saying back to me, I'm so sorry. Why didn't you just tell me at the beginning of the day? And perhaps I could have helped you. Well, when I think back to that day now, it occurs to me, of course, how lucky I was to have people around me who saw that I was acting strangely, that I was struggling. They worked out that something was wrong, that perhaps I was fighting an internal hidden battle entirely unknown to them. In the story 
which we heard earlier. The wise Sile Mai observed her father-in-law Ali's hidden battle, and she coaxed him into confiding in her. If she hadn't, of course, Ali would have ended up getting his head chopped off by the emperor of China. Sometimes we need to share our problems with others to find a way forward. Often though, in these situations, when people close to us act strangely or grumpily or rudely or withdraw from us, we can react by taking offense, can't we? Or perhaps by judging them. Instead, we might try pausing and asking ourselves, what hidden battle are they facing today? And perhaps we might want to ask them if they're okay, if they want someone to talk to, like Sile Mai did for her father-in-law, or like my school friend did for me on that difficult day for me 20 years ago. The same is true too for the person who cuts in front of us in the supermarket queue, or who forgets to indicate at the roundabout, or doesn't say thank you when we hold the door open for them. What if instead of ranting or swearing or cursing that person, we were able to pause and to ask that question, what hidden battle are they facing today? Who knows, perhaps they're not just being rude or selfish or ignorant. Perhaps the personal battle they are facing that day is so great that it is taking every fiber of their being just to survive, just to get through the day. Well, I want to end now by asking us all to try to hold that proverb in our minds in the week ahead and to see if perhaps it helps us in our interactions with those around us. From our closest loved ones to that irritating person in the supermarket queue. Wouldn't it be a much better world for all of us if we could take that simple advice of that ancient Jewish proverb? Everyone we meet is fighting a great battle. So just be kind. Amen. Thanks, Rory. One last hymn then, one of my favourites, the Good Night Hymn. For those of you who don't know, let's set aside the fact that it's not the evening, uh, it's not really the right time of day to sing it. The, set, the sentiment couldn't be more perfect for this service. Uh, we might think of singing it to each other as a blessing for the week ahead. Number 284, I think, in your green hymn books, and the words will be on the screen, the Good Night Hymn.
I'd sing that one every week if I thought we could get away with it. <laughs> Thanks so much to Rory, our guest preacher today, all the way from Gethlionan. Thanks to Janine for tech hosting and for Maria co-hosting at home. Uh, thanks to Peter for our music. Thanks to Margaret for supporting the singing. For those of you that are here in person, oh, I can see Marianne's already gone to put the kettle on. She'll be serving refreshments in the hall after the service. I've made apple cake this week because there's been a clamour for it, but it's a bit doughy in the middle. So I'll take the bits from around the edge if, if I were you. Um, thanks to Julia for greeting this morning. And there will be virtual coffee time on Zoom with Maria. So please do hang around for a chat if you're online. We've got various small group activities coming up. There's still spaces for Heart and Soul tonight or Friday at seven o'clock online. This week's theme is kindness. Coffee morning will be online half ten on Wednesday morning if you want to come along for a chat. Looking a bit further ahead, the poetry group will be back on Wednesday, the 1st of March. That's in person. Speak to Brian if you want to come along, let him know your poetry choices. Uh, next Sunday will be another hybrid service. This is a congregational service on the theme of gold stars. I'm still looking for a couple of people to contribute to that. About people we want to award good star, gold stars for their good deeds for the betterment of the world. So do have a word if you might be willing to help out. Details of all the events are on the back of the order of service and they're in the Friday email as well. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other and do what you can to nurture supportive connection. So just time for our closing words and closing music now. To this hour, we have brought our broken hearts, our crushed spirits and our hidden battles. We've also brought our joys, our dreams, our smiles and our hope for the future. So may we go from here with the blessings of God and the comfort we have found in loving community, in the knowledge that while our battles may go on, we need not face them alone. Amen.